Welcome to the Lion's Man Podcast, episode 30. Look, let's get straight to the point, guys. I'm talking with goalkeeping coach Jesse Goldman, all about goalkeeping and the needs of goalkeepers in both the game and in strength and conditioning and what we as strength and conditioning coaches can do to better serve goalkeepers and lots of tips for what keepers can do to stay fit and actually improve in quarantine, even if you don't have a home gym. So stay tuned. Let's get it popping. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on the podcast on short notice. Uh, we're going to talk about goalkeeping today. I'm so excited that you're here. Yeah, Julia, thanks for having me. This is exciting stuff. I'm happy to be here and I appreciate the invite. Woot woot. So um, we're going to talk about goalkeeping and that means you're probably a goalkeeper or a goalkeeping <laughs> coach. So <laughs> even though those are our assumptions, please tell us about yourself and what you do, where you're from, all of those cool things. Yeah, so those are, those assumptions are correct. So like Julia said, my name is Jesse. I started last summer, I started my own company called Goal Line, where I focus specifically on the strength and conditioning needs of goalkeepers. So I was a goalie. I played four years at a small division three school in New Jersey called Centenary. Um, after that, I got into coaching right away, coaching at Centenary for three years. And then more recently this past year, I moved back home, uh, which is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to uh, and continued coaching at a couple of different schools. Uh, but still in the college game. And then now I'm really just focused on how can I help develop you as a goalkeeper to be the fastest, strongest, most explosive athlete you can be. So let's start with the very basic question of what are the strength and conditioning needs of goalkeepers? <laughs> yeah. So, so when you look at the position, I think it's, you really need to look at the position specifically because I don't like us goalkeepers being grouped with just the typical field player because our demands are so different and where a field player has to run about seven to 10 miles a game, goalkeepers are barely running three. So when we're talking about conditioning, you know, we, we don't need to condition. We don't need to go running for more than 15 minutes. I would say more than 20 minutes, just because we're not really doing this in a match. So when we're talking about conditioning, let's, let's sprint. You know, I think we need to sprint a lot more than we need to do just distance type of running. So, um, you know, short, quick sprints to improve our acceleration because most of our acceleration is really zero to 10 yards with the occasional 20 yard sprint, 30 yard sprint, and very rarely a 40 yard sprint, right? So, you know, when you're looking at the position, really focus on what, what are we doing consistently? And that's, a quick sprint, you know, on average, probably about five to six yards, a backpedal, maybe a shuffle, then we're diving and we're saving or whatever it may be. But in terms of conditioning, let's, let's sprint. Let's get faster on a 10-yard, 20-yard basis. And we know, of course, in order to sprint, we also need a lot of strength. Um, and so strength, whole body strength and conditioning for goalkeepers is obviously super important. But I could not agree more. Sprint, why would you condition? That doesn't make any sense. So, Jesse, why do you think – people group goalkeepers into the field player category. Like why are all positions considered the same in the SNC area, generally speaking? I, yeah, I think, I think it's just easier to, to add them in because, you know, if you look at a team, at a first team, you're really only talking maybe one, two or three max, probably three max, maximum of three goalkeepers. So I think it would be, it's just easier to put those one or two keepers in with the team rather than really break down individually to what they need so um you know 
everybody always says goalkeepers are different, you know, we're, we're a little bit mental. And so if we're going to be called different, well, let's, let's train a little bit different because our demands are so different than, than your field player. And so I think it's just kind of comes down to it being easier to group them together with a whole team. I think that's fair. And we have to give goalkeeper coaches, um, some props as well. They aren't strength and conditioning coaches and they're the ones that spend the most time with keepers and they do make them, oh my God, watching goalkeeper sessions. I always tell people this cause it's really sad. Um, I've done two, taken part in two keeper sessions and it made me sweat so hard. It was so embarrassing. Um, and I was so sore for like four days afterwards <laughs> as oh, yeah. having been a striker, like, you know, like I was used to the other side of the goal, <laughs> seeing that sucker open and not having to keep it closed. What? That was totally a whole new world. For me, it was extremely embarrassing. So if you watch a session or take part in a session, it is the epitome of conditioning. It's exhausting. You sprint, you jump, you do all of those things um, within the goalkeeping session. And so having to add then on conditioning on top of that is pretty brutal as if that's not conditioning. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, just like all the, you know, I I really think training sessions are probably harder than a game just because it's it's not that you're training in an unrealistic, unrealistic environment, but it's like, you're, you're going over these reps, maybe like five to 10 repetitions of getting three consecutive shots blasted at you. And you know, that happens in a game, but not five or six times in a row. So, um, you know, the, the practice, the demands of practice are just brutal in itself. And when you really watch a training session, a lot of it is, you know, a lot of rotation, quick reaction, quick sprint up back pedal. And so, you know, that that's conditioning in itself too during a training session. So, um, you know, when you're, when you're asking about conditioning, think about what you do in a training session and, and kind of train in a similar manner to that. So let's talk about the movement dimensions and directions that goalkeepers use. I know we'll get into more of the specifics of the strength and conditioning program, but what are some of the movements as far as, you know, you guys dive, you move a lot, uh, laterally, you move a lot forward coming off the ground. You do a lot of jumping, is there a lot of rotation? Is there a lot of anti-rotation? Um, tell us a little bit about the the needs of a goalkeeper in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of ro- rotation, I mean, obviously when we're kicking, there's a lot of rotation, but um, I think a lot of the bigger needs are going to be unilaterally strong. Just, you know, being able to push off on one foot, being able to jump on one foot, being able to land on one foot you know, just because when you're, especially when you're looking at the position to a lot of diving is majority off of one foot, but again, having a strong base. So having a strong core is going to be everything because in our set position, you know, we're loaded in our quads and our glutes, but um, being able to dive and then get up again and then dive, it's all our core. And then even when we're talking about a side volley or a goal kick, again, that's, that's a lot of core and hip strength. So, you know, I think when you're, when you're really breaking down the the goalkeeper as a person having a very strong core is going to be your most beneficial part of training. Um, beyond that, we need to have strong hips. We need to have strong hamstrings. We need to have strong quads. So strong glutes, um, and strong shoulders, especially, but you know, the, the whole human body is all connected anyway. So tr- we need to train everything at once, but having that strong base in a core, I think is going to be the most important part of training. True that. And considering that sprinting is one of the most aggressive things the human being can do, period. Um, that's a pretty good way to train all of those things. So let's dive into 
the art of acceleration, let's say. Acceleration being the first 30 meters, but specifically the first 10 where a lot of the strength qualities come in. How do you program sprints, Jesse? What do you feel like the needs are there for goalkeepers? So the, I mean, something that I've really fell in love with is med ball training and whether it be like single leg throws or single leg chest passes, just any type of med ball or any type of kind of plyometric ballistic style of training, just because you're moving so fast in such an accelerated manner that you're your mind, your body's only recruit. It only has time to recruit fast twitch muscle fibers, which again, beginning with acceleration, that's what, that's what we're looking for. So um, when we're talking acceleration, that first step, just doing stuff like plows, or, I mean, my favorite is just a single leg chest pass into a wall, like kind of in a jumping manner. Um, Something like that, I think is very beneficial to improve that first step and recruit all those fast twitch muscle fibers to engage the whole body and produce more force and power when we're talking that short 10 meter sprint. And for some people who maybe don't get the whole strength and conditioning, all of our lingo, which obviously is important. <laughs> right. We, we got to love science. Can you give us like a scenario or a couple game scenarios when that acceleration actually plays a role? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's think um, you're on your six and, or maybe on the penalty spot, something like that between the six and penalty spot and a through ball gets, gets played in behind your back line. You know, you're, you're probably about 10 yards away from either coming out and meeting the striker on the ball and diving at his feet or or her feet, or just kind of backpedaling and setting and trying to make a save. But, you know, I think the biggest thing when we're talking that first step acceleration is either a through ball behind your back line or, or cross maybe an early ball played in, you know, we need, we're set. And we have a couple steps to get up and catch the cross. But I think the the most game relatable thing will be a through ball in behind your back line and you need to go in and sweep it up. So, you know, those are awesome, first of all. Um, super, <laughs> I mean, acceleration is super relevant. I was going to say the strength qualities for acceleration and sprinting are very similar to the strength qualities we need for jumping. So we know that jumping is important for keepers, but could you give us again, some more basic game examples in when having the ability to jump quickly and multiple times is relevant? Yeah. I mean, I think we can think about a corner kick when let's say we're, we're talking about an outswinger and we're kind of, you know, we're a little off our line. We're in between our line and the six and it's, it's almost like a snap header right above, right below the crossbar or a little bit to your right or left. And we need to turn, set our feet, and then react. And having the, that quick reaction type of, type of movement and allowing our body to have that ability to be able to react quickly and make a diving save like that, I think, is where we're looking at that quick reactive type of training. And that's something that I do a lot is, you know, I like to land and then jump again you know, for, for simpler terms and just being able to react off the ground because the quicker we can, you know, apply force to the ground and react and make that save the better and more explosive we can be. So um, any type of just being able to set and then quickly react to a shot is where we're, where we're going to look for this type of training. Gotta love that stretch shortening reflex, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about the things that a lot of goalkeepers lack physically. Um, we know let's just say we know across the board that goalkeeper training is not always top level as far as strength and conditioning. Again, I know some amazing goalkeeper coaches who don't know anything about strength and conditioning, and that's totally fine. That's not their area. But unfortunately, 
a lot of strength and conditioning coaches don't know what to do with goalkeepers. Right. So where do we, where do we see those gaps? Where do, where, what qualities do goalkeepers miss? Because we as strength coaches and goalkeepers or um, goalkeeper coaches have let them slip through the cracks basically. Um, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is just going to be, or one of the biggest is going to be our mobility, which, oh my God, I'm terrible at. So maybe I'm the bad example, but being able to be mobile in our hips and our shoulders is going to be very important just so, you know, we're able to just, you know, able to move properly. But beyond that, I think the biggest thing is developing too much strength and not enough power. Now I know they, they work hand in hand where, you know, you need, you need a strength base to develop power, but um, I think at least I'm, I know I made the mistake early in my training career and, and even while coaching is that I was focused too much on gaining strength and not enough power. And, you know, when you, when you just focus on strength, you become slower in a sense, and we're not recruiting as many fast twitch muscle fibers that we need as goalkeepers to be able to make those quick reaction saves and those quick, those long dives and, and things of that nature. So um, I think where we kind of get mixed up is too much strength and not enough kind of power and speed training. Do you think we get stuck more specifically in the hypertrophy phase and like building mass or just getting super strong, like literally max strength, which one? Yeah, do you think no, I mean, I think, yeah, I think the hypertrophy, hypertrophy phase is kind of the dangerous one because just because I think that's the most common when you're talking about lifting, it's kind of like the most common thing is, okay, let's, let's look for eight to 10 reps when, you know, it, again, talking about a base as or a strength base, that's good to have. But I think we get lost in, in just doing that over and over again, when, you know, it's good, but we need to, again, move on from that once we've kind of adapted and then go into a more max strength and then get into a max power phase. Um, so I think, you know, we, it's just all balance and depending on the time and who the goalkeeper is and what level of training they have is, is again, all going to be a case by case. But I think for the most part, when you're looking into high level goalkeepers is we need to develop less, no, sorry. We need to develop more power and not, not as much strength focus, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I see <laughs> coming from the club system somewhat in college I've seen, but from my goalkeepers that come straight out of our European clubs, they basically only have hypertrophy upper body stuff. You know, right. like you said, it's three to four sets of eight to 12 reps of upper body and then lower body, maybe some jumps, maybe some sprints, a couple stability exercises and then it's back to business right goalkeeping right. sessions are exhausting like we said so what i see when we have hyper too much muscular hypertrophy and then also some level of mass as well on the upper body from doing too much hypertrophy the rib cage then gets critical which is a critical area for mobility right goalkeepers need to be able to control the rib cage go overhead especially when you're making saves. I mean, God, you're landing on your shoulders. How many goalkeepers <laughs> have shoulder injuries or elbow injuries or back problems or whatever it may be. So how can we train the upper body in a way that actually benefits the mobility of the rib cage and the shoulders? Yeah. I mean, I think again, it's going to be a case by case basis, but what, what I like to do in my training is just, you know, keep it simple and just, work on that shoulder mobility and working the lats too, especially because those are going to be so important in building in areas that we need to build strength in. So um, pull-ups, chin-ups are my favorite inverted rows, I think are just perfect ways to train. 
um, just because it's a great overhead pool. And it, they're pretty simple. You know, it's like, one, I mean, once you master the movement, you can add load, you can slow down the, the tempo, you can speed up the tempo. And so, you know, I think pull-up, chin-ups, inverted rows, push-ups too, especially, um, you know, nothing too crazy, but simple exercises where you can add load to, to do and they don't, they don't tax the body too much. 100% couldn't agree more. I'm also a really big fan of single arm rows for goalkeepers and any Penley stuff and yeah, chest supported yeah, rows as well. I mean, rows are awesome, but I think you can do it. I agree 100%. You can do it with your body weight uh, and you should be able to do that. There's pretty much no excuse for not training upper body. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, and another thing too, this is an upper body, but just going back to how goalkeepers train too. I'm, I ha unfortunately, I kind of thought about this a little bit more during this, this quarantine. And I haven't been able to really test it out, but um, it's a it's an interesting thought in just doing more quarter squats than full range squats for goalkeepers. Typically, because like, and this is kind of more of an advance once goalkeepers are fully grown, because you know typically goalkeepers are very tall and might not be as as mobile. But the other thing is too, when we're talking a quarter squat you're you're in that set position that a goalkeeper is is typically in and so being able to explode very fast concentrically out of that position I, i'm very interested to see how that would kind of relate to a game and if it would be more beneficial than than a full you know full range squat but um just an interesting thought i don't know what what you think about that well we know that for example a slow eccentric to explosive concentric um squat with what I think it's 50 to 65%. Um, that does a lot for the vertical jump. So either right. way, um, it also does a lot for the sprint. So it yeah, seems yeah. like that should work. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it was just, it was, it was just an interesting, interesting thought I had that, I, you know, I've always frowned upon at least, you know, quarter squats or half squats, but um, I'd be interested now once, you know, once gyms open back up, I think I'm going to start throwing them into at least my training before I tell anybody else to do them and then see how they work for me. So I'll, I'll keep you updated, but I just wanted to see if you had an opinion. But I mean, you know, either one, and I think everybody should be able, and then this is not me saying don't, you know, squat to, you know, parallel, whatever it may be, because I think everybody needs to be able to do that. Um, but it is kind of an interesting thought that I had, and I want to try it out. It's definitely possible to maintain range of motion through the hips and knees and all of those cool things while still doing something like a high box squat, for example, we've used those before and those are really awesome because right. it just gives you a great barrier to tap and go and you can load a little bit differently when you do that. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Yeah. And in a, in a power phase, what do you generally program for keepers then in the weight room, let's say? Yeah. I mean, in power phase, I'm looking anywhere from four. I like, I mean, I just like the number four, um, four, <laughs> four, four to five, just strong, fast reps. And, um, I think velocity-based training too is something that we should kind of keep an eye out for because, um, you know, I think it's just a great way to kind of monitor how the athlete is feeling. And plus, I think it gives you a good gauge of where they're at um, in terms of power and just being able to consistently move the weight at the same speed is, I think, important. And then that's where I'm kind of looking when we're, when we're talking power, it's just four reps where we're just moving that weight you know, we're controlling the, the, the tempo on the way down and just exploding forward is, again, huge focus of mine, just very fast concentric movements is what I would love to see. Yeah, man. I'm with you. <laughs> let's, let's talk about sprinting. 
this is one of my favorite topics, especially for goalkeepers, because like we talked about earlier, I love the moment where I get to rock their world and say, "Mm, no, we're not going to go run today. We're going to sprint (laughs) with maximum intention and do, you know, oh, do we have to do agility too? Well, I mean, we're going to decelerate. We're going to change direction. We're going to, you know, you're going to react to my cueing, et cetera. Um, But no, we don't need to do all that to make you good. (laughs) And they are so excited every single time. Oh my God, that means I don't have to run for 40 minutes. I mean, it's going to be just as painful as that. It's just going to be different. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It might feel worse tomorrow, but I promise it will help so much more than that. Because guess what? Slow running recruits slow twitch fibers, which is the opposite of what we want to happen. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy, especially when we're thinking about the goalkeeper position and how, you know, fast twitch base we should be. Um, You know, it's just you, you, if you train slow, you're going to be slow. So it's pretty simple concept. I think Uh, it took me a little bit to realize it, but it's just like, you know, let's, let's be fast. And if we're trying to become faster goalkeepers, you know, we shouldn't be running over a long distance. You know, that concept, I think, should make a lot of sense to people now. Um, you know, if you want to be fast, sprint. That's a, that's a pretty fast movement. I mean, pretty much and pretty darn aggressive. It trains basically everything for strength and speed and power and 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 stability, yeah. whatever else you could possibly want. And the goalkeeper is an entirely different athlete than everybody else. They're the only pure speed athlete, strength and speed athlete, and everybody else is a speed endurance athlete. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and it's. And it's interesting too, and I love talking this about this, and I love saying this is like the goalkeeper elite, like I think should just be the the best athlete on the field. And athlete meaning, like we we have to do because we have to do so much. It's like I love looking at different training aspects of different sports and seeing if we can pull things from there. And I you know I put out a post about this last week. It's like our our game movements relate so much to different sports that, in my opinion. You know, I think we can find different training aspects from, let's say, volleyball, basketball, tennis, track. Um, the list, I mean, the list could go on. I mean, I think we can find certain training aspects from those sports and use them in our training, and that'll help us become bigger, stronger, faster. And because, I, as again, I think when we get grouped with the field players, we might even be coming slower, and we don't want that. Yeah, I think keepers lose so much when they're forced to get grouped with the field players. And I also really hate the stereotype of kind of going off topic that keepers are like the heavy and slow ones. Cause obviously, right. you know, they tend to be the bigger ones, right? Like taller. Um, and then the people harass them about like, or feel well, at least our team, our field players <laughs> used to harass our keepers all the time about, they were so freaking lazy. And the only time that they conditioned was when they had to run four hundreds with us, which was totally evil because their goalkeeping sessions are right. horrific. <laughs> like right, right. leave them alone. And they're power <laughs> athletes. Of course they're bigger. They have more mass than we do. And you know, they're whole body athletes as opposed to us. We're literally not allowed to use our hands and most of their job is their hands, you know? Right. Yeah. We, there's just, and that's what I love about the position too, is that it requires so much. And, um, there's just, we, we just have to do so much and I love it because there's a lot asked of us. So we have a lot of demands and a lot of requirements that we need to meet, you know, physio, physiologically, excuse me. <laughs> It's a Monday. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when we get into then planning a sprint training session, um, in my experience, I don't know what your experience is. 
I, the first time I ever did sprinting with um, keepers, we did 10 meters. We were doing a live session and I thought, oh, they'll be used to it because they're so used to, like they have these strength qualities or they should have these strength qualities because this is what they do all the time. It's only 10 meters. No, totally not ready. So <laughs> how do we plan a speed program for goalkeepers? Let's say like the first two weeks of we need to get faster in the first couple of yards. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think we, again, we always have to, again, depending, you know, who the athlete is or what age and how much time we have, that, that's all going to depend. But if we're just, it, it know, depends is always the correct answer. Right. Yes. Always, but, you know, if we're, you know, perfect, perfect case scenario, I think if we have all, not all the time in the world, but enough time to slowly progress is what I would like to see. And, you know, I would, I would just suggest anywhere from about like six regular, regular sprints first, where we can, if you have a, if you're, if you have a slight incline available, let's do that just because I love incline sprinting. Um, but if we're talking about just getting that first 10 meters, I think just, you know, going about six to eight sprints where we can just work as hard as we can throughout two or three times a week, and then slowly progress that incline each week to be a little bit higher. Um, keeping that same amount of sprints, six to eight, maybe eight or nine as, as the weeks go on. Um, but I think eventually we want to keep progressing that incline and then bring it back, bring the incline back down. And then slowly, I think we'll start to see more results in that first 10 meters. But I, I'm a, just a huge fan of incline sprinting. I think we develop so much power running up hills. So that's where, you know, if we're looking to get faster in that 10 yards, other than strength training or power training, I think, you know, finding a way to do some incline sprinting throughout over like an eight week period will, will get us faster. I'm a big fan of inclines as well, as long as they already have the ankle mobility for it, because that gets right. ugly as soon as they don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. That's a great point. And I wish we could say that everybody has the hip and ankle and back strength and mobility in order to do those things. But man, you get them to do it a couple of times and it just, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's very important if you are, if you're running up hills, you know, you, you properly kind of are honest with yourself and assess yourself or at least go somewhere to be assessed. You know, I was fortunate to, to have worked in an environment where we were able to assess athletes, videotape them, especially on an incline and, you know, help, help athletes that way. And, you know, we could address those prop, those proper things that you need. Um, but, you know, if you're all able to run up a hill pretty frequently, you know, that's, I think always going to be the best answer. Nice. So let's say people are in quarantine right now. <laughs> in April, 2020 for the record. So, um, what can a goalkeeper do right now to get stronger and faster? Let's say we have four weeks left of quarantine. What should they be focusing on? Oh my goodness. This is a great question. Um, because, and th I think this is a great question because a lot of what I do anyway is based on our body weight, because I think, you know, if we can't control our own body weight, how are we going to control weight? But, um, yeah, to do right now, you know, we can sprint right now. We can go outside and sprint. Um, you know, I think wherever you are in the world, I would, I would imagine that you can find a street to, to just run down. Um, I'm a big fan of just doing, are you able to squat properly? Can you do some squats? Can you do some single leg squats, some rear foot elevated squats? You can do some pushups. Um, and I think we can periodize or program that way. And you can do a lot of eccentric to fast concentric movements like we just talked about. So, um, you know, doing a slow squat down and exploding up into a jump. I think you could do that and that will help improve explosiveness. And then I think you could sprint a handful 
Um, you can do a slow push up down, explode up. And again, I think doing things like that will help improve those fast twitch muscle fibers out that, that, that we've been talking about that we all need. So I think there's a lot of things that you can do. You can work on core strength. You can do a lot of planks. You can do a lot of leg raises. Um, you do some side planks. There, there, there's so much that you can do. You can even, um, I put out a video on YouTube. You could 20 different exercises you can do in a two by two square that all work quick footwork, laterally, forward, back, you know, diagonally, a whole bunch of different things. So, you know, I don't think the quarantine should be a reason for us, for our training to stop because there's still a ton of things that we can do. 100%. And I know a lot of you guys have more equipment than that. Shout out to Alex. My, <laughs> we have a professional goalkeeper here in the area who has the most dreamy home gym in his garage and he's had it for forever. And now that he's in quarantine or now that everybody's in quarantine, I'm so jealous of him watching his stories every day. I'm like, damn it. I want that rack. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And shout out to Alex. You're the man. But for the rest of us, like who don't have that, always remember the power training comes first. Power and speed training are not conditioning. So don't do them until failure. They're never meant to be done with failure. They're supposed to be done with maximum intent. Right. Uh, so get the most bang for your buck out of them that you can and then GTFO and do your strength stuff or core stuff or whatever you need to do. Eat, sleep, listen yeah, to that, podcasts. And, <laughs> and, yeah, right. Yeah, seriously. And that, and that's going to be the, the biggest thing too. I think eat and sleep, you know, I know a lot of te- like this time is a great time to catch up on some video games and lack of sleep, but, um, your training doesn't mean anything if you're not eating and sleeping. So properly eating and sleeping properly. So um, put that first, that should be your number one priority during this quarantine. And what does recovery look like in your mind for goalkeepers? Because I know, again, I just feel like keepers get a bad rap as if they do nothing throughout the game. It's not like they do nothing. I mean, we have decision fatigue, mental fatigue. There's a lot of mental energy being used tracking the ball. And there is a lot of small movements that add up over time. Even if the GPS data says, you know, congrats, you moved four inches the whole game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, you know it's it's interesting too. Another point to think about as goalkeepers is when you talk and you're consistent, you're obviously consistently breathing, and you know every breath you take is just more energy, more oxygen flowing out of your brain. So, you know that that's another thing to think about as goalkeepers because we have to consistently communicate um, whether we're moving or not. Our energy levels are still going to drop because of how much we're communicating. So that's that's an interesting point that I that I found very interesting when when thinking about it because. You know, there'd be times in games where I didn't do much in the first half, but I would still be organizing and I'd come out. I'm like, why am I so tired? Like I didn't do anything. And then, you know, it makes sense when you're constantly talking, you're going to be more tired. But um, from a recovery aspect, I think, you know, sleeping will be number one, eight hours. And, you know, there's all those studies. You're almost you're at like about like a one point seven percent higher risk if you get six hours of sleep over eight for injury. Um, so I think sleep is going to be number one, nutrition is going to be number two. And if you're looking for anything beyond the recovery, you can take cold showers, you can do the hot, cold contrast therapy. Those are just easy in-home recovery tools. Um, stretching is, I think, up to you. I think it's good to be able to be mobile, but, you know, and obviously we need to be flexible. Um, but there are, there are things out like stretching it whether or not it plays an important role. But, um, you know, I think just sleep and nutrition is going to be your most important parts of recovery. Yeah. And like the rest of us right now, trying to control your stress, because that obviously takes a lot of energy out of you too. But yeah. And I think that's also another 
just being able to meditate something like that, or just focus on your breathing is going to be massively important too, because your body needs to be in that recovery type of mindset in that recovery state to be able to even break down all the muscle and all the, all the nutrients that you're getting. So if you're constantly stressed, you know, your body's not going to break down. You're not going to sleep. Um, so I think it's important to be able to just have that mindfulness. And I know it's something that you touch on a lot, which I love because, um, if, if your mind's not there, then I don't, you know, again, nothing, nothing else will be there. 100%. And I think mental training is again, so, um, undershot for goalkeepers because again as if you guys do nothing throughout the whole match like you said you're organizing you've got a whole back line to and depending on who your back line is I mean it could be a disaster scenario <laughs> that you're trying right. to clean up or keep from happening um you know mentally you're being taxed for 90 minutes and I think that mindfulness and the ability to recover in between major key plays and key moments is really important for keepers because again your focus is you're focused for 90 minutes and it's easy to let your attention shift or just wear yourself out mentally and decision fatigue and all that good stuff so the ability to shift uh tasks mentally shift your attention to redirect your attention to keep yourself calm and not be super worked up through all of the little breaks that you have um (laughs) Those things are all really important for keepers. So I hope that you guys are also doing mental training right now as well. But yeah, I mean, just especially again, going back to all the demands, you know, everybody, everybody looks at the goalkeeper. If you lose one, nothing, you know, you, you kind of want to blame the goalkeeper, whether or not it's their fault. And, you know, it's just being able to to have that mindfulness to say like, okay, I know who I am. Like, I know I'm a good player. You know, this happened. How can we learn from this mistake? And, you know, just being able to be in touch with yourself and, and understanding who you are as a person and as a player, I think is going to be very, very important, especially, you know, during a time like this is that perfect time to really sit back and, and think back to mistakes that you've made and learning how to fix them yourself. So. Yeah. So with you, and I always say this when I'm talking to keepers or at the end of a keeper podcast or when addressing them, never forget the, the ball had to get through 10 other people before I got to you and they all fucked it up. So <laughs> it's great that a striker is saying that because yeah, that's what, um, that's what I like to tell myself too. Even if I made the mistake, it's like, yeah, well, it's still not to get shot. So, you know, um, I mean, we all win together and then the goalkeeper loses. That's not how it works. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not how it works. Well, Jesse, this has been great and so helpful. And I think this is, um, a lot of valuable, applicable tips that people should be putting into action right now in quarantine. This is a really great time to be prepared, um, be over-prepared for when we come back into play, which hopefully is soon. I know for you guys, it'll probably first go in what, September, October. Yeah. It's pro- I'm, I'm praying at this point that our fall seasons don't get pushed back and or canceled. So, I mean, do you even think fall ball will happen? I'm, I'm optimistic. So yes, but okay. Part of, but it would, I just wouldn't be surprised if if it didn't. But I'm very optimistic in saying that, yes, it'll happen. Okay, good. Let's keep that positivity going. Right. We're going to quote this <laughs> on the 20th of April, 2020, um, as saying Jesse Goldman said that <laughs> football is coming home. <laughs> or to start the report out on ESPN headlines right now. I said exactly. It, I said hey, we'll speak it into existence. Exactly. <laughs>